Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 166 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli on uh, week three of the National Hockey League season. Frank, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm uh, at home. I was supposed to be in the Valley of the Sun today for yes. the opening of the mullet. I was thinking about going to the game wearing a mullet. Um, and alas, I am home. I have COVID. Fun. So, uh, well, good for you for being, uh, you don't want to be the guy who uh, goes and covers the team and then spreads COVID. So uh, good for you. Uh, I also didn't want to be the guy for 10 hours hacking my lung up on a plane. Just everyone looking at me. It is true, right? Like, I think there is still, like, I almost respect it now that we have a little bit of a um, peer pressure within the community. It's like, hey, if you have COVID, no one cares if you have COVID. They only care if you're trying to come out in public with COVID. That, uh, it's actually funny you said that because when I said I couldn't go, no one was like, oh, man, like, are you okay? Like, before, like, a year ago, the reaction would have been like, Hey, uh, is everything like, can I do anything to help now? It's just like, okay, hang in there. See ya. Like, <laughs> like no one cares anymore. And the good thing is I feel way better than I did when I had it last time. Last time I was really struggling to breathe this time. I, it feels more or less like a normal cold. I just, it sucks. Yeah. Nah, it well. sucks to be sitting at home. Like I'm stuck inside. Yes. That's, and you gotta be stuck inside for what? Five days or something from the time. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll see how I feel. I also don't really know when it started either. Like I was sick, feeling sick for a week. And then when I had a fever and, and really started coughing is when I finally tested. So we'll see. Well, hopefully you're, uh, you're feeling good by Monday because uh, that yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm thinking is like, all right, like, let's get this moving. I tested on Wednesday. So my Monday would be five days. So that's uh, game one or sorry, game three 
But uh, the first game in Philadelphia, of course, the uh, World Series. What is the mood in Philly right now? I would say there's some nervous energy. Uh, People are unsure what to think. This is definitely the best team the Phillies have faced in the playoffs. And I don't know. A lot of time off between games for a team that played with a lot of mojo. Yeah, well, and you just look at Houston. Like, Houston's the better team based on the whole season and everything like that. But we all know that the better team doesn't always win. It's who's playing best. And, you know, Bryce Harper is obviously going to have to be great. I really think it comes down to, you know, the Phillies, uh, you know, first two, their top two starting pitchers. If they can go deep in games one and two, Frank, and limit the bullpen, then I think they got a chance. You get a split in Houston, then you come home to your raucous fans. They're, yeah, they're in business. They just can't lose both in Houston to start. Yeah. But that won't be ideal. Well, uh, enjoy that, and, and hopefully uh, you get to go. Um, I, I know, like, we, we've seen the p- pitchers now, the temporary arena for the next four games. You know, I, I do think it's kind of fitting that it's the Winnipeg Jets uh, going in there for uh, for game one at the Mullet Arena. And, and By the uh, way, the pictures weren't – they weren't right. No, they weren't. That was just a start. They, they literally were just starting to put it together. Like, if you've seen the shots of the final product, like, it looks – Fine. Fine. Like I'm sure it's not all that different than any other visiting dressing room that they've they've been in. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. I thought in typical uh, 2022, people like to get fake outrage. And the thing I was kind of chuckling at, I was like, okay, they're NHL players. They're not princes. Like if 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 you can't handle a less than perfect locker room like let's be real here like there's much bigger issues in the world that we have to be concerned about like that was not one that i think is a big deal and if anything does anyone think that that's better or worse than the nassau coliseum from 10 years ago like i i covered plenty of games there in that visiting locker room the place was a dump oh hey go but go down the list i mean go back like and from from all the different stops that have had temporary arenas, you, you think the cow palace in, in San Jose was, was a palace. Like, I mean, that, that place literally stunk like horse shit. Like quite the old, literally the old corral in Calgary. Like, yeah, that, to me, like when I, when you played as a kid, everybody always had those, one of those or two of those barns that you'd go into on the road. And you're like, Oh my God. Like, but that's, that was part of it. I remember those better than, Oh, this was like the nicest arena I ever played in. I don't remember any of those. I just remember the ones that were like freezing cold. There's a place called in Andrew, Alberta or Castor, Alberta. I would put that up against the coldest arena I've ever played in in my life. Like we had I love kids. those arenas because that's oh. how you know the ice is good. Well, the ice was good, but we literally had some kids, I remember. And we were in probably like back then, what's that, Peewee? So you 13 now? So yeah, you Old 12? enough to remember. Yeah. But we had some kids crying on the bench. Their feet were so cold, right? And so they weren't playing. And everybody, like, I put a toque on after the first intermission, you know, made your helmet bigger. I used to have those XL7s. Remember that XL7 helmet that would almost no. fold in? It was like an accordion. It was probably the worst helmet slash best Before my time ever. And you had clips on the side, Frank, that you would just unclip it and you could make it bigger, really simple. And then it would clip back together. And we put a toque under our helmet. And I just remember, like, you're right. The ice was fast as anything, but I'll never forget how cold it was. Like, literally, you were freezing. It was almost like you're playing outdoors. Perfect. I mean, look, here's the thing is, the, even the photos that you've seen from Arizona of this new temporary space the one that they move into in a month from now in early December 
is going to be up to NHL standards. Yes. Like a regular, normal, nice visiting and home dressing room. The one the Coyotes are in for these next four games isn't ideal. I don't think anyone's happy about this. And I think here's the interesting part about this story and not to belabor it too much, but I've sort of been wrestling with this myself is when you go through this process, can it be two? can this story be two things at once? Can it be embarrassing that the coyotes are playing in this arena? Yes. But can it also be cool? Yeah. I think the answer is yes. That's fair. Yes. Because like, here's the thing at the end of the day, and this is the part that no one's really talking about anymore. They got kicked out of their 18,000 seat arena because they didn't pay their bills. That's really the truth of it. The, the mm-hmm. Glendale literally said to them, we have this massive building that we owe a ton of debt on, and we are better off not having you for 45 games a year, 45 nights a year on our schedule. Great. That's literally what they said to them. So not only was it not ideal for the coyotes, but they also didn't pay their bills and they end up in this spot where they had to find a temporary home and they couldn't play out the string in Glendale in a normal 18,000 seat, nice NHL arena, which if you've been there, it's plenty nice. It's just in the wrong location. Yeah. I mean, to the rink, it is a nice rink, but yeah, location, location, location for a lot of things. Any business will tell you that you can, you can have a really good business model. You're in the bad spot. It ain't going to work. And, but you know, it doesn't help that your team hasn't been good either. So I think that's a combination as well. But that's also not a knock. None of this is a knock on Arizona. Like what a gem of a building they've built for the Sun Devils. Like that is going to be one of the premier college hockey facilities, especially, you know, given where that team is located, you know, anywhere it's beautiful, Yeah. but it's just, it's not an NHL building. And for teams that are players that, you know, feel like they're on a team with a losing that's less than national league. Well, this is definitely not less than national league. Yeah, no. Well, it it'll be interesting. I'm sure the, uh, the, the fans tonight, it'll be a sellout. Uh, Arizona has not a sellout. We all understand that the sellout will be a lower capacity than usual, but uh, it'll be a sellout. There is going to be limited edition, $25 tickets for student, like a student section, right? Uh, there's going to be a little bit of a band from what I understand, Frank. So it's definitely going to kind of mirror a little bit of the uh, college atmosphere, but I'll tell you this, I've been in rinks, and I, I go to junior A hockey games where there's 3,000 people, standing room only. And when you're in a sold-out barn. It's all about it, the energy. Yes, the energy is amazing. I, I think the the atmosphere, I bet you the players will tell you, the atmosphere in Arizona this year is going to be infinitely better than any atmosphere they played that, in in the last few years. Not even close. That's exactly what I was getting at. Can this be cool? Yes. Is it still embarrassing? Yes. Yeah. So I'd like to go though. I'll tell you that I'd like to go. I'd want to experience it. Are you trying to rub it in or what? No, 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 not at all. (laughs) Come on. Uh, Well, Hey, you'll get over COVID. You'll get to, you know, you'll get to go to another one for sure. Like come back, go to the, uh, go to the, to the game when they come back for their, for their official home opener, Frank, when all the facilities are ready, right? That's not coming until like December, what 12th or something. Cause after this four game homestand, the coyotes go on a 14 game road trip. Yeah. So check this out to finish off the season. 37 games at home and only 21 road games. Yeah. So. That's their split starting in December. Yeah. There you go. Now let, let's talk to, uh, let's talk about the team that I think we were, everybody collectively have been grossly underrated. Most the of Flyers? us thought, ah, they might battle for a playoff spot. The Boston freaking Bruins 
A, Brad Marchand comes back earlier than expected, gets three points in his first game. He, he won't play tonight. He's not going back-to-back. But the Bruins are absolutely killing it early this season, Frank. They're 7-1. They're and one. You know, they're outscoring teams 35-21. to 21. I, I'll, give the, uh, I'll give the Bruins massive credit that they have, they have played infinitely better than I thought they could early this year. I was totally wrong on them. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to Tyler Yaramchuk eating cat food. I think that's the highlight of my season. The goal differential, best in the league. Uh, they've looked really good. They've looked hungry. They look like they have some swagger. And guess what? Now they're getting pretty close to getting Charlie McAvoy back. Yeah. Two, two to three weeks, I'm told. So mid to late November, right around before U.S. Thanksgiving, it should be. So that's a pretty big boost to add a guy like McAvoy to your group that's already been humming along at 7-1. and one. I thought you were going to say the biggest surprise, the Metropolitan Division-leading Philadelphia Flyers. Well, well, we'll get to them in a sec. But to me, it's, it's the Boston Bruins. But it's also, you know, I wonder a little bit of the coaching factor, Frank. Right? You look at... Oh, 100%. You know, we heard lots they were that, dying to get rid of yes. Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, yet he's in Vegas and they're loving him early. It just shows you early in any relationship, Frank. There's everybody knows that you get into a new relationship. Everybody's excited. It's the infatuation and, stage. Uh, so uh, I think Vegas is in that, and uh, and Boston's out of a out of a messy divorce, and now they're loving they're loving their new relationship. I think in Vegas, there's a little bit of an us against the world mentality. I don't know if you've heard the comments from Mark Stone or some other players saying. People love to hate us. Like they're the most hated franchise in the league now. And I think they've rallied around that idea and pretty cool to see the reaction and, and pure elation that they had for Phil Kessel breaking the Ironman streak. Oh yeah. Like, and he scores his 400th goal uh, in that game. So uh, Phil, the thrill, he, he, he knows he'd been sitting on that. He hadn't scored all season. Then he scores in his uh, 990th consecutive games played, which is still a ridiculous record. And uh, you know, like Vegas, Hey, they're, they're healthy. So that plays a part in it for sure. And um, I look at the, the race in the Pacific between Vegas, Calgary and Edmonton is going to be a good one. All season. It's a way better division. Just oh. you look at Seattle, like they're again, I don't think anyone's expecting Seattle to be knocking on the door of the playoffs, but they're no longer a free space on the bingo card. No, uh, the only one maybe right now would be uh, Anaheim. They are uh, they are struggling, Frank. You want to talk about not the Canucks? Well, the Canucks finally won a game, um, and I, I honestly I don't think the Canucks are that bad. They got too much talent to be that bad. They're not a free bingo space, right? Like they were struggling, and I'll say this: like, look San at San Jose last- is going to be the worst team in that division. Oh yes. Well, no, I think Anaheim might be. Anaheim is really struggling, Frank. They're getting outscored literally two to one every game. They've given up 32 goals. They've only scored 16. Yeah, though at some point, though, I think their their talent is going to take over, their young talent, and they'll figure it, they'll start to figure it out. Because they're they're being asked to develop players right now in, in a not developmental league. Yeah. The the Sharks, they're gonna start plucking pieces off their roster. Well, who though? Who can you trade? They're open for business. I mean, yeah. that's the truth. Like, I mean, I no shock that. there. Um, honestly, and, and I actually talked about this with the team executive on Thursday. Eric Carlson? Watch the game very closely. He, he's He's been damn good. Oh, dude, he's got two overtime winners. Oh, trust me. the Shark, Eric Carlson, obviously the Sharks will have to eat some salary. 
Well, if, yes, if you retained half on Eric Carlson, would someone oh. take him for the next four years? At five and a half million? What yeah. would you have to give up to get him is the question. Yeah, because if you're San Jose and yeah, you unload the salary, but you still retain half, that means you have 5.5 of dead cap space. You got to get something in return. You can't just dump him. You already dumped Brent Burns for a, you know, like a, a third or fourth line winger. Right. Like that really downgraded the talent on your team. And it's not like the Sharks have a boatload of defensemen coming. So, yeah, it frees up some cap space, but it doesn't it actually makes your team worse. But they're they're not trying to be good now is the point, I guess. Well, but see, that's where it's funny, Frank, like Mike in the organization, they feel they can still be competitive with all their veteran players. Uh the, the proof is on the ice. The proof is in the standings. It's this is four straight. This would be four straight years in the lottery zone. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. I'm no, I, I know, but I'm saying like, I don't understand anyone who makes that claim. Yeah, I agree with you. Like they're, they're kind of old and slow in San Jose. Well, they should have bought out Vlasic, but I guess maybe you try and get through one more year. Well, there, there's virtually hardly any savings in that. That's the problem. Right. No, there, and, there's there's a lot of savings starting next summer. Yeah, next summer, yes. Um, he also, for, I think they... His cap hit goes down to 1.44 next year, and then there's two years where it's 4 and 5, but then it's back down to 1.6. Yeah. It's a lot better. Even 4 is a lot better than 7. True. Yeah, like you replace them with a $2 million defenseman, let's say, right? Um, they might argue, how much better off are we? Right. That's the argument. So yeah, you free up some, like the one year you're right. It, it helps you for year one. Um, and then the final few years it does, but then the final few years are dead cap space that he wouldn't have been on the books for anyway. So if, if you replace them and you save 3 million, but you replace them with a $2 million defenseman, like the $2 million defenseman's got to be significantly better to really make it worth your while. You know what I mean? I wonder what they can get for Timo Meyer. Well, and there's another one. You trade Timo Meyer. He's well. He's your best younger forward for sure, right? Couture and Hurdle are older. Um, you trade Timo Meyer. I think they could get a- Hurdle's only two years older. Yeah, Meyer's just a, I, I, Meyer's just so much faster. I think he's like Hurdle's. You know, he's a good player. Yeah, I, I don't think his contract's going to age very well at all because he's never been fleet of foot. So when you eventually slow down, it's harder. Meyer, let's say, you know, when he slows down, well, he'll slow down to Hurdle's current speed. And you can still be successful. Hurdle's proven that at that speed. Um, I think Meyer is one. Now, a lot of it's going to depend on what type of season he has, right? We know that. If if, if Timo Meyer's having a good season, um, yeah, teams will be interested, but then they also might be leery of, well, how much do we have to pay him? Well, his qualifying offer is ten million bucks, and I was oh, thinking, cool. given that Debrinket is much younger, he's twenty four, so two years younger, also pending RFA, and he hit forty goals twice, and is off to more than a point per game start. The Blackhawks got a first, a second, and a third for Debrinket. Yeah, and two time forty goal score. Well, so that's what I'm saying. Wouldn't theoretically and the cap the qualifying offers at nine wouldn't the sharks be getting less from meyer than than the yeah. than the blackhawks got for debrinket agreed and i also think timo meyer and his agent have to recognize if any team decides okay we're not qualifying you at 10 million you become a free agent great you're a free agent but no one on the open markets is paying him 10 million dollars but that so that's exactly the, that's another thing against the sharks if they're trying to move him is that 
you basically have to allow another team in order to get any kind of return, have to allow another team to negotiate before the trade is done. Yeah, I would agree with that. Right. Cause like Meyer coming off of a career year last year, right. He had the 35 goals, 76 points. Um, you know, he, well, DeBrinca was a two time 40 goal scorer. Meyer's a two time 30 goal scorer. And he's had over 70 points once. Like realistically, when I look at his contract, he's, he's probably like a $7 million guy. Right now, I know mm. he might look and say, geez, Thomas Hurdle got $8 million. Maybe he squeezes up to eight, Frank. I think he's probably in the eights. Eights? Okay, we'll say he's eight. But, like, he's definitely not 10. And I think him and his agent know it. That was probably a smart deal for them because they knew that that, that might lead to him getting to test free agency earlier than he than he should, right? Because I don't see it. No one's going to qualify him at $10 million. That would... Although I, I shouldn't say that. I guess you could qualify him at 10 and then and agree, you know, to negotiate a different contract. That's happened before. He was a really good playoff player too. Oh, yeah, he's solid. But he hasn't been in the playoffs for this three years. I know. Yeah, so he had the one really good year in San Jose for sure, right? Um, but, like, if you're San Jose and, like, I think Mike Greer, this is a whole new ownership group, right? Or, sorry, uh, leadership group. And, you know, Doug Wilson and that regime near the end were extremely loyal to their older players. Uh, even as much as last year when they signed Hurdle, like that's the one they gave away a lot of no trades and no moves. Yeah. Like that's really the biggest sticking point for this, trying to reshape this team. Yeah, for sure. Now let's look, you want to talk about your uh, Metro leading Philadelphia Flyers. And by the way, Carter Hart, what a performance last night uh, for him. He's definitely uh, found his game as, as he was unreal for the Flyers and like they're not going to lead the division all year. Let's just be realistic, Frank. But are they better than you thought? And do you think they can make like can they stay in the playoff hunt? It's so early. Um, I, I here's the thing. So I view them as having a significant talent gap between themselves and everyone else. But what this team this team is way mentally different. Like they're they get down in a game and it doesn't phase them. Like before they would fold like a cheap tent in a soft wind. Like they were just they didn't have it. Yeah. And I would attribute a lot of that, I guess, to the coaching change. They just they're also playing with house money in some way. Like there's no expectations. I feel like that's freed them up a bit. Like, the, you know, last year they were expected to do a lot. They were expected to bounce back and be a playoff team. And they weren't. They weren't close. And now this year, no one, stopped, no one was picking them, talking about them. I feel like they're a lot mentally stronger. Yeah, okay. And that, that'll help them stay in games. I think John Tortorella, you know, historically his teams – they compete. They yes. work. They rarely get outworked. And that's the thing is the Flyers were a really easy team to play against the last few years. And that's a big reason why they made the coaching change. But like, I mean, you, you look at this, this spot that they're in and you know, where there's no reinforcements coming. Like at, at some point, these guys, I, I just think the talent gap is going to be too big, but who knows? Maybe Carter Hart keeps playing the way that he does. Five games, 947 save percentage, and that changes the conversation. Well, yeah, your goalie can keep you in 
you know, games for a longer time, but you know, you look at the history of the, even, you know, Vasilevsky, Schuster, look at their save percentage. You know, the guy, you're not maintaining a 940 all year long. So eventually it's going to come down and you're going to need to either tighten up defensively, start to score a little bit more, but they are more competitive. And, you know, the East overall, as, okay. as we, you know, just to East, put a bow on the Flyers, sorry, like look at their injuries. Cam Atkinson is weeks away. Yeah, Sean Couturier just stopped skating. He was shut down with a setback for this back injury. And James Van Riemsdyk is out for a month with a broken finger. We know Ryan Ellis is done for the season, likely his career. Like at some point I would have to think that that's all going to catch up to you. And the minutes that you're handing out to some of these younger guys that have exceeded expectations to this point, I, I, I would think that becomes problematic, but or, I guess stranger things have happened. Or they're the uh, 2021 or 2022 version of the LA Kings, right? Because the Kings blue line was decimated by injury and they just kept playing through it, right? Young guys got more opportunities. And that's now, different you, though. But they, and they weren't long-term. Like if Atkinson's coming back in a few weeks and James, like you're out a month, you know what? Carter Hart can ride a hot month. That happens all the time, right? So if they stay close and then they get those guys back, Frank, then that probably gives them a boost, right? As long as they stay close in the next month. I guess. I mean, the difference is the Kings were relying on first round picks to come in and do that. Tobias Bjornfod and, and others like more highly touted prospects. It's a different situation. Yeah. Well, Sean Dersey, right? Like you know, Jersey, Jersey was a second round pick yeah, that was acquired from the Leafs. Like he's a, he's and it was there, but, but a, even, even LA, when you talked to him, they were surprised that because he was like, and defense, youth on he, defense. But when he got called up, he was north of a point per game in the AHL as a defenseman. Like, yeah, well, what I'm yeah, saying but, is they're calling up players that are good players. Yeah, okay. Well, Morgan Frost is a young guy who's just getting more opportunity now. Pretty good, highly touted young player. I, I get. I mean, he's also 23 and hasn't, he hasn't done anything to this point. Well, the, the NHL's littered with guys like that, though. Look at how many guys just pop at different age categories, right? It's amazing to me. And that's, like, every year there's a few guys who all of a sudden you're like, man, this guy just figured it out. And some guys have been, you know, bouncing up and down American League, NHL. There's always 10 to 15 guys every year that, for whatever reason, maybe it's just as simple as confidence or something. They had a good summer, changed something, and all of a sudden they pop and just become effective. Not great, but effective NHLers. And who knows? Maybe that's And him. since it sounds like I'm dogging on the Flyers, I will say this. This team is eminently more watchable. I don't care lack of talent, any of those things relative to others. You got to work. And if they're working... That's that's going to be enough for a lot of people in this town. Yeah. Well, the East, no surprise, as we all predicted, is much more competitive. There, the gap between the haves and the have-nots early on this season, there's virtually none, right? Like every team is very close early. Eventually, there will there will be a gap. Whereas in the West, there's all like Arizona. I mentioned Anaheim, um, you know, San Jose and, and Vancouver. Now Vancouver is lucky because you know they, they are only um, four points behind Seattle who's in the, in the playoff spot and they have a game in hand, right? Like I've always said, Vancouver's talent isn't bad enough for them to just completely fall apart. So I think eventually their guys will get better. You know, it hurts though with Besser and Hughes out for them, even though it's short term, you know, that hurts. But um, there are some teams that just don't have the talent. And, you know, the one team, Frank, to me, like we talk, the Dallas stars are off to a very good start. And I look at Dallas and I think, like, I don't, you're not going to win five out of every eight. Well, maybe they will, but 
it's sustainable because of their goaltender and their team defense. And then they've got better balanced scoring. Like they've got some guys in Dallas, um, you know, Rupe hints, Robertson, obviously have kind of become the guys and Tyler Sagan's healthy. So, you know, he's, he's going to at least be a contributing player. And, you know, if he's a, he could be a 65 point player this year. And that makes a huge difference for that team. Yeah. I mean, he still has a massive cap. Hit. Like he's still not close oh, yeah. to the cap hit. No, so yeah, you're, I'm not going to be celebrating that. that. Um, and I know they're not, but you're right. If you can at least get 55, 60 points, like you're at least getting something. Um, I wanted to, we got to touch on the Canucks since we've been hammering them like that. They, they showed a little something in Seattle getting that win. You could tell how badly they wanted it. Well, early on, man, there's two tilts. Like, that's a good tilt between Susie and Miller. Three fights total. Yeah. I mean, their penalty kill was way better. You saw Bruce Boudreaux handing out the belt after the game. He collects his 600th win. It kind of just felt like a sigh of relief. And obviously, they were going to get one at one point. But to get through this week and, and get a win on the board, I think, was big. Oh, it's huge for them. Huge. It just, you know, it relieves the stress. Right, they fly home. That flight home, granite, super short, and playing the Penguins tonight, yeah, is infinitely more enjoyable. Right, like if you make that flight home, Frank, it's like forty-five minutes. It would feel like four and a half hours had they lost that game. Ugly. Yeah, it would have like, been really ugly. I, and you know, they made that small trade with the Boston Bruins. I had heard Mikey DiPietro's name talked about a little bit, and I was, I guess. When I heard it a week or 10 days ago, I was like, why are they trying? Like, what are they? Why do they want to get rid of this guy? That's what I was trying to put together. Is like, what sense does this make for the Canucks? Like, he's still only 23. And he was at some point a pretty highly touted guy that just was called up way too soon and got shellacked. Yeah. He's played a grand total of three NHL games. Well, I think they feel that, you know what, he, I, well, he wanted a trade, right? So part of this was a disgruntled player. I get, I mean, yeah, but why is he disgruntled? Like that's on you guys. Like this guy should have been better protected. Yeah. I think he's disgruntled now because Spencer Martin has jumped ahead of him in the pecking order. Now he goes to another organization, Frank, sometimes be careful what you wish for. It's not like there's huge openings for goaltending in Boston's organization, right? Like you're going to be their number one guy in the AHL, but you know, Allmark and Swayman, right? I don't, I don't know if either one of those guys is suddenly going anywhere. Well, definitely not Allmark with that contract and they love Swayman. So I honestly, I'm surprised Swayman isn't, I don't know, in some ways, it feels like what they're doing in Boston is a lesser version of what's going on with um, Florida and Bobrovsky and and Spencer Knight that Bobrovsky obviously had a good year last year but it feels like in some ways they're beholden to the contract and and let's be honest Olmark's been really good this year to start um but at at some point it felt like they were more so beholden to um the contract than anything else yeah Olmark's been way better though this year yeah he didn't have a good first year in Boston but man this year he's been awesome to start, right? Like he's over 930. I don't know the exact uh, number he's at, right? But I know it's a 936. Yeah. So, and Swayman's in the eights, but Swayman was kind of expected to be the guy this year for a bit. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's goaltending for you, Frank. If there's a more unpredictable position, let me know. It's wacky. Outside of like your top 10 guys, the rest can be, they can easily go into your, maybe I should say the top five guys. Other than that, there can be a massive fluctuation from, uh, from year to year and how they look. Can, can we give a little love to the New Jersey Devils? Jesper Bratt, baby, fourth in league scoring. First off, awesome, awesome player. But this team has been really, really good at five on five. And their goaltending had sort of sunk them and made it look like they were not near. Both their goalies are in the 800s. Their team save percentage is awful, but they're, they're actually playing quite well. Yeah, save percentage, I've, I've learned, can, can be, you know, it's one stat. Their team, but their team save percentage is yes. 859. Yeah, it's that's, like, that's, that's 10 points worse than the Kraken was last year, and that was 30 years bad. Yeah. That no. just goes to show you how good they've played to outplay that and be four and three. Well, I'm telling you, look out for that team if they get any modicum of 900 save percentage goaltending. Well, they are a team right now, though, Frank. They're, they shoot from everywhere. Right. Um, and so that, you know, that, which, which is a good thing. Cause it's, you know, Carolina does that too, but, but Carolina, you know, I still look at Carolina's defense score and I will take them over New Jersey's all day long, but um, I'm not saying Stanley cup contender, Carolina, I picked to win the cup. So the, it's, you're, you're not comparing two equals, no, no, but no, what no, I'm, I'm saying comparing. is this team has played way better than their record would indicate. You'd look and say, Oh, like yawn. If you haven't watched the devils closely this year, four and three. Yeah. So what? They've actually played really well. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Jesper Bratt to me is he, he's one of the more underrated players in the league, man. He is a really like what a draft pick for the devils, man. <laughs> I've been all over the Bratt train. I've been well, I know talking you had about a trade rate board. Like good. He, yeah. Well, that was the devils were not happy about him. that, but yeah. Well, smart move not to trade him because uh, he's been, he's been done. He's been in on over 50% of their goals so far this season. It's just interesting that he got another like sort of prove it contract, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. 5.45 million. That's going to rock it way up. Oh dude. Like that's got to take care of this guy. It'd be smart. They got to wait till January, obviously, but be smart. As you like to say, Frank, that's a bargoon. A bargoon. Yeah, it is a bargoon. But it's only a bargoon for one year. And then uh, he is, hey, good for Yeah, guess what? It's going to cost more now. Oh, significantly more. Significantly more. Um, the, 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 other, the other team we have to talk about is um, just because I think it, it's been a question for many years. It was the area of concern. And I think that concern's only heightened, Frank. They're going to be a playoff team. I have no doubt in that, but... What are Leafs going to do? Jake Muzzin, they moved him to LTIR. Um, they, you know, they're still being very hush-hush, but I still, I think about Mitch Marner's comments. And you know, like, he's got to worry about his health and long-term. I said that to you. Wife that was kids, the. Right? Like, that's the quote where, you know, you wonder if Jake Muzzin's going to play again. And, yeah, that frees up some space if you put him on LTIR. But now you got to go get another defenseman. And to me, all the question marks around Toronto were the defense core. Is it good enough? And Jake Muzzin was considered one of their best defensemen. And now if he's out, that's a huge blow. Does it make sense at all for them to go get someone else that's on LTIR? Like a trade for another player that's never coming back from LTIR to free up the space that that way no, they'll but, have it. Even if Muzzin comes back. Um, but I guess if Muzzin comes back, sure. Right. Cause right now, once you, once you're over and you're in LTIR, adding more guys in LTIR doesn't help you. 
right? No, but I'm saying, because at some point I would imagine Muzzin's going to come back. Yeah. Well, you hope. I haven't heard anyone say anything otherwise to this point, other than the speculation of reading deeply into the comments from Marner. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you could go get somebody else maybe, and then, you know, that would help you when he eventually comes off. Sure. But, you know, you, you could do, you know what you do, Frank, you could do that at the time when you know he's coming back, right? Like you don't need to, I'm sure like the Maple Leafs make more money than anyone, but you still have to pay the guy while he's on ILTI. Do you want to absorb that knowing that it's three months away? Maybe you would do that two weeks before. Yeah, I, I think it'd be something that they'd have to consider. Let's, uh, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, uh, Tyler Ramchuk. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, now let's get to buy or sell as we welcome in uh, Tyler Yaremchuk. Ty, how you doing? I am doing good, guys, and I am ready to go with a new edition of Buy or Sell, as always, delivered by our friends at DoorDash, where you can use the promo code GAMEDAY25 to get you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. Frank, you, you missed the memo. Yeah, we're matching, Frank. We White hoodie day, Frank. Come on. Look, I, I, I call this corporate synergy, okay? Yeah, you're rocking the nice Oilers Nation. G- g- Those are comfy, g- too. Give me some love here. Yeah, fair enough. Just a guy trying to get through COVID. Uh, I'm going to start this one. This is not a buy or sell question, although I guess you're kind of buying on one of these two teams. Uh, But Mike McKenna and I kicked this around yesterday on the DFO rundown. If you, magical world, you have to pick and you're going to become the GM of either the Kraken or the Canucks, which team do you think is easier to fix and make into a playoff contender the quickest? Frank? The Canucks. Just because the piece is already there? Well, Demko is a huge part of it, yeah, right? That to me is a really nice building block. Quinn Hughes is a top, it's definitely a top 10 defenseman in the league. Might be more than that. And depending on what you're keeping or getting out of Pedersen and Miller and that group, yeah. like I just think there's some pillars there. I think there are some in Seattle, just not as many. Like Beniers is one. Um, they just Seattle just they need so much. Now, if you, the answer to who's quickest is definitely Vancouver. But if you ask me which one I'd want more, honestly, it would take Seattle because I think Seattle I would over the, the next five years has building blocks. You know, they're going to get another draft pick. They've got Beniers coming. Shane Wright eventually is going to go to the uh, back to junior here. Like they're not playing him. Like and that's fine. This is no different. People are freaking out. They just. Alex Petrangelo did this for two years with the St. Louis Blues, and he was the fourth overall pick, funny enough, right? Go back and look at him. They went back to junior. The second year, they kept him all the way until the end of November and then just sent him back to the world junior team, right? Because they wanted to practice. He got an NHL paycheck. He was on the roster. Away he went. So they're not ruining Shane Wright. I see a lot of people freaking out. But be fine, Seattle fans. This has happened before. 
It's a good experience for Shane Wright. He'll eventually go back to junior and they look and say, hey, if he practices with us for up to two months, he'll go back. He'll probably join the world junior team. Then he'll go back to junior and away you go. But I think Seattle long term is better. I do, Frank, for another day, we're going to get into a conversation debate on top 10 defensemen because I don't have fuse in my top 10, but that's we'll have that debate for another day. Okay. well, apparently you didn't read our archetype rankings, our best puck moving defensemen. Well, hey, see the underlying numbers on, on Quinn Hughes. No, Ben, best puck moving, sure. Doesn't mean best defense. He was number one. All right. Yeah, I know. Um, and, and by the way, what the one thing to, to Jay's point that should be made is the Kraken essentially have a blank slate on their cap. Yeah. Like they've got a few, you know, their longest player is locked up four years, longest term, and it's only till he's 31, Burakovsky or 32. So, they they have oodles of cap space and flexibility, Grubauer notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, the reason Mike McKenna took the Canucks, the reason I said the Kraken is just with that flexibility, who's to say they can't go sign one of Pasternak, Larkin, Tarasenko, or Kane this summer? And all of a sudden, I think you'd look at that forward group a lot differently with Matt Beniers coming off probably a really good rookie year and a stud forward added into that mix. Here's the thing. And this this may be what Seattle runs into. You got to get a guy that wants to go there. I was just going to say that. And you you it's almost like they need their. And I I hate. Please don't shoot me for the way this comes out. They need their Lucic moment that the Oilers had, where it was like people want to go to Edmonton. Yeah. They yeah. need that. They they've gotten you know Burakovsky. Like some of these guys are good good players, and some signed right off the hop. But I think that they were thinking it was going to be a lot more like Vegas than it's been like Seattle. Although I will say this, Seattle's just got to make some some trades, significant trades, and they got to develop from within. That that's the the fact. I'm I'm not a huge believer in big game hunting in free agency. I'm not sure that's think of all the ifs that we just said. If if yeah. if if big trades, if good drafts. Well, no, if. not if. I think you, big trade. You can make good trades, right? Like I actually. The, the, the um the you know the, the Lucic signing was the Bjorkstrand one was unbelievable yeah, yeah like that's trade. a fantastic right. trade. but yeah, I'm saying so that those are, those those come along better. every once in a while yeah but I think but I still think I would wait for those than overpay in free agency that rarely works I think the problem is this team's going to be getting worse in the short term than better don't you like if no, you're Seattle and you're sitting here going like okay we're really looking for five years from now. If you're really looking for five years from now, then your best your best play is to make a good trade and move Yanni Gord. Your best uh, play is to make a good trade and move Jordan Eberle. I'm just like, if that's really what you're saying is you're five years away, Yanni Gord only has two years remaining after this, and he's already thirty. Yeah. Oh no. I know there's that. the there's light tread on those tires because he didn't break in the league until later, but. That like that's the that's really the view and tough decisions that you have to make. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but like they got Beneers and Shane Wright, I think is going to be a really good player, right? Like they're they're going to get some guys coming from within. Uh, I really hey, watch. I think Jager Fergus is going to be a good player down the road in a few years for them as well. But uh, getting Bjorkstrand and Burakovsky made them significantly better, and I don't think they're going anywhere. Right. So uh, you're right. Like I wouldn't be opposed to, to moving guys like, you know, Everly and Schwartz and, and Gord uh, in the next few seasons, but I still think Seattle will keep the, the good news is when you start at the bottom, it's easy to keep moving up a level and look like you're improving. Fair enough. Well, the only thing is that wasn't supposed to be how it started. Yeah. 
That's not how they were looking at it. They didn't think we're starting at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, you think you guys, your expansion draft strategy then? You guys talked about Carter Hart's great performance. How about what we saw from Ilya Sorokin the other day, stopping 41 in a shutout win over the New York Rangers? It brings up the debate. Ilya Sorokin, can he win the Vesna if the Islanders miss the playoffs? Buy or sell on Sorokin winning the Vesna, even if the Islanders miss the playoffs, Frank? So I can't think of the last time it's happened if it's ever happened. Bobrovsky in the shortened season back in 2012-13. So you're How many other times has it happened? I don't no. think very many other. But, okay, Jay, you buying or selling on it? I, I would probably be – I would have to sell just because I think, you know, there'll be other guys. Yeah. Like, he would have to be so much better because if he misses the playoffs and Jake Ottinger and Shesterkin and – name the other guys who we think will be there and their numbers are basically the same, but their team's 30 points better rightly or wrongly. I think the GMs, when they vote, that's what they'll take into account. Fair enough. Third one I got for you. Are the Bruins, the Atlantic division favorites buy or sell on the Bruins as the favorites to win this division due to their hot start. Jason. God, that's a really good question. I like it. Uh, I was going to say, Tyler, I always rag on you. These are some straight fire questions. Um, God, that's early. It's only eight games. So no, I can't, uh, I can't say that they're suddenly the favorite, but you know, they're really good. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that, but to, to be the clear cut favorite, there's a lot of good teams in that division. So I, I can't call them the clear cut favorite. They are playing the best though. Right now. Frank. Where what's up with the lightning? All right. I will I will buy for right now. Okay. They're, they have a five-point edge, at least, on everyone else. Yeah. They're clearly not going to play this well all season long, but they're going to be getting better, or theoretically should be. Yeah. So I will buy. It is concerning for someone who sat on a live stream and said they'd eat cat food if the Bruins won the division. So yeah, oh, I'm definitely. I should have bought that. strictly for that reason. Um, yeah, no, no, that's it. That's exactly right. I want to place a wager just on. Oh, that. I can't like that. That might be the most watched live stream because I'm going to be there. Um, I'll be. I'll be. I'll make sure that I'm watching it live in person when you're eating the cat food because that's. Just, I will be tweeting it to 250,000 people. <laughs> oh, be unbelievable. Go I might Bruins, even fly go. to Edmonton to, to see it oh. in person. You know what? Like, I'm going to start, you know what? And you got to eat the whole tin, too. You can't. Oh, you don't get like to make the rules here, ball. Frank. I'm just going to say the Bruins are my t- You know what, Frank? We should adopt a team. I'm going to just say go Bruins. I'm going to get a Bru- I got to get a, like some Bruins stuff for our background. Just put it up there. Have to send good karma to Bruins all the time now. Yeah. So I root for no one ever. Our friends yeah. at Points Bet Canada, they have odds up for the Atlantic Division. The Leafs are still the odds on favorites at plus 175. The Panthers are second at plus 280. Then it's the Bruins at plus 350 and the Lightning at plus 450. From a betting perspective, I'm tempted to just put some money on, well, both the Bruins and the Lightning here because I feel like those two maybe have the best shot just based on what we've seen early in the season. Um, well, yeah, the, the, the you know, the Ekblad injury, if it's yeah. it, now, if, now they say it's not serious. But however long he's out for, that that hurts Florida's chances for sure. And I would say, you know, Jake Muzzin, similar thing in Toronto. And uh, from a betting perspective, you're bang on tie. It, uh, you know, Boston's great odds, and and even Tampa Bay. Like Frank, you asked what's wrong with them. 
Tampa did this a few years ago, right? They had a really slow start out of the gate, and then they are just like, I believe they okay, won the guys, cup that year. Let's go. Here we go. Like there, yeah. there's just too much talent in Tampa Bay to write them off. I just, I can't do it. After going to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row, who gives a shit about the regular season? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're Tampa. You're like, we'll just get to the dance. Yeah. Uh, wrapping it up with our Points Bet Canada bonus question. Uh, I want to talk a little Rocket Richard trophy odds. Austin Matthews is still the odds on favorite at plus 225. But I want to talk about the guy who's second, Connor McDavid at plus 450. Hattrick last night against the Chicago Blackhawks. I want you to give me percent chance, in your opinion, that Connor McDavid wins the Rocket Richard this year, Frank. Um, 30? So you still, you're still heavy on Matthews? No, I just I think what's happened is there's more people in the field. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, no, that does make a lot of sense. Jay? Like, I think you'd have to consider Stamkos as part of that group with the start oh, yeah. that he's off to. Um, Svechnikov. Kaprizov is five and seven. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like you look, like Matthews is obviously going to start scoring more. That's just inevitable. He's done it his entire career, right? Tricidal four and eight. Like, uh, David Pasternak's got six goals. Pasternak's one of the, like, he's top four goal scorers for last while. So I, I would, I'll go up to as high as even 35, 40 for McDavid. Like, um, you know, McDavid now, this is not the best stretch of his career. He, like, he has eight goals in eight games, but he had uh, 10 goals in eight games uh, once before in uh, in 2019, and then he had nine in eight. So, you know, he's done this before, right? So it, it's not like, oh, my goodness. But, and in fact, you know, McDavid's, he's actually been shooting a little bit less. He had that, you know, the game in St. Louis, he looked like his back was still yeah. bugging him a little bit. It was tender, but then last night in Chicago, he was totally a different player. Um, like, I think McDavid secretly he wants 50 as he should when you look at like the, all the greats of the greats right they scored 50 except gordy howe funny enough but um you you look at uh i think he wants 50 but there's lots of good scores and you know there'll be ebbs and flows matthews will get on a run where he scores 10 and 10 at some point this season maybe 20 and 20 because he scored 53 and 56 last year yeah like so that, yeah he can so he can, uh, here about uh, here, I want to add one thing, and and this is interesting. I would not be betting on Matthews right now. I think that's a ton of goals to make up. It is like to, for him to outscore McDavid by now six for the rest of the year, and all those other guys by five or six. Like that's crazy. Yeah, like, we're two weeks away from saying like he's the odds are going to change in a big way. Probably, but but he did outscore McDavid by sixteen goals last year, and he yeah. played eight yeah. fewer games. Fair. It'll be interesting, it's an I, interesting debate. Yeah. Look, dude, I'm Ty, Tyler brought his A game today. All right. Well, I know how to leave on top. So that's a wrap on this week's edition of Virus L delivered by DoorDash. Ding dong. More interesting than 50 goals. Connor McDavid on pace for 154 points through 10% of the season. Well, he's at the exact same pace he was over 56 games in 2021. Right. When he had 105 points in 56, 1.88, right. Which is basically 15 points every eight games. And, I, uh, I thought he was getting to 150 last year and he had that. Mc, it's a swoon only for McDavid where he was just a point per game. Yes. For like, for, tw- for more than a quarter of the season. Yeah, and that 22, derailed 22 it. Two games, I think. Right. Yeah. So. That derailed it. But I thought he was going to get to 150 last year. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets to 150 this year. Well, him and Dreisaitl and uh, Pasternak are all at uh, at 15 points. 
um, through eight games. And we mentioned uh, Jesper Bratt and then uh, Panarin. Uh, Valerie Nichushkin, uh, he's off to a great start. He's uh, living up to his contract early on for <sighs> Colorado. But like McDavid and Drysdale, you consider what they did in the postseason, Frank. And now they've, they've just carried what they did in the postseason right into to this regular season. Where Which is scary. scary. They it did it in the hardest score. part of the year. Yeah, I know. Like, well, they're one of alarming. Only- one of only five guys to have ever scored two points a game in the playoffs over 15 games, which is nuts. So um, like McDavid, I think he's hungry. Like Edmonton got off to a little bit of a sluggish start. Uh, I know you watched that game in Chicago last night. It was, it was a very different game. There were 17 penalties. Uh, the order was a really weird times. second period. Yeah. The crazy second period. I still think that goal should have counted. What'd what do you think, think of Evander Kane mouthing off and getting the penalty? Like, play is actually going on at the other end of the ice, and he's chirping the ref that hard that he needs to stop play to call a penalty. Yeah, well, like, like I tweeted out, the order's emotions went on tilt in the second period, Frank. Although, I will say, I thought that goal should have counted. Uh, I don't know. I disagree. You look at Staylock, he was literally sprawled out on his ass. But, but if the defenseman pushes you onto the goal... I get it, but uh, that's... The goalie didn't have an opportunity to make a save. And the, and it didn't really look like much of a push. Yeah. Well, I, I to me, well, the other thing is the claim that they said the call was no goal on the ice, completely false. The, the, the ref standing by the net pointed to the net, right? So the initial call of no goal on the ice, that there was no, there was none of this, Frank. Nowhere. Look at the video. That's the one thing I actually have. If there was an issue with it, I think that would be the issue is to claim the call on the ice was no goal when the official pointed to the net, which is usually goal, and there was never the arms across your chest out saying no goal. That's the one thing I found interesting about the whole play. Yeah, I just, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw a play stopped for a player I'm yelling at the referee from the bench. Like yeah. it was whatever he was saying was that bad that needed to be addressed right then. Oh, for sure. Well, hey, the, the order's got to take better care of their emotions, Frank. Uh, currently, worst in the NHL as far as uh, power play to a penalty kill ratio. The orders are measured. Gregor, stat of the day. Yeah, minus 11, them and the Dallas Stars. Funny enough, if you're wondering. And if you're worried about who has the best, it's the Vegas Golden Knights. Knights fans, they're plus seven. They've had seven more power plays to penalty kills uh, so far this season. And the one team to watch, Frank, last year, the Colorado Avalanche. Now, they took a lot of penalties, but they got a lot of penalties. They led the league. They were plus 43 in Because they're the fastest team in the league. But this year, they're they're minus four early on. So that's something to watch for to see if if that changes. Because when you get that many more power plays, you just get momentum, right? Even if you don't score all the time, you gain momentum. And so, to me, it's something to watch for, for Colorado, Mm -hmm. to see if that'll just make life a little bit more challenging for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Frank, I hope you're feeling better over the weekend and that uh, you get to go to f- the game on Monday. And, we'll uh, talk and on Monday. 1-1. One, one. Hopefully. Yeah, get we'll see. Yeah. Maybe uh, call Aaron Rodgers, agent, and uh, see what concoction he uses. Maybe it can help you. I'm down for whatever works. It's only weird if it doesn't work. <laughs> Have a good one, Frank. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.